Bienvenue sur la podcast Carrefour. Cette semaine, nous nous penchons sur le cinéma surréaliste français. Rejoignez-nous pendant que nous plongeons dans Robert et Titan. Désolé pour les Français. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Rob. I'm your other host, Ryan. And as Ryan said in the intro, we will be taking a look at two French surrealist films, the, both of which have a car motif. The first film is 2010's Rubber, and the second film is 2021's Titan. Rubber is the uh, French language debut of uh, Quentin Depieux. Uh, it's a French independent surrealist horror film. It's like a horror comedy. It, yes. I think it's less of a horror than it wants to be. I mean, with that many people getting scanners, I think it kind of has to qualify as horror, but it's more surreal comedy than anything else. Yeah, this, for those who don't know, Rubber is a very wild film, and it was one of my first ventures into the world of like stupid, cheesy B-movies. Very like very surreal. Uh, no spoilers. The first image that happens is a car just goes through the desert, knocking over a series of of kitchen chairs, <laughs> and then a man climbs out of the trunk of the car, is handed a glass of water by the driver, and then starts asking ridiculous questions about movies. Yeah, it's very meta. It breaks the fourth wall almost consistently, and it's just a an overall like. It's a different take on a beloved genre. Yes, the I've seen it a couple times now. The most the most recent time I watched it for the for this week, I really enjoyed how how much of it I well I liked everything but the plot basically. Yeah. The plot's just nonsense, and yes. we'll we'll do a little little synopsis in a minute just because it's so weird. You kind of gotta prep yourself for it. Yes. But yeah, um, so this is kind of an odd film. So I want to ask you, the first time you saw this movie, how did you find out about it? And so how did you end up watching it? I had a, uh, this was um, 2013. It was actually my birthday. I was at work and some guy showed up into my office, which was really a closet I had some computers set up in. Thinking it was the bathroom, mm-hmm. and um, like I worked in a cardiology clinic at the time. I'm like you need to not be here. Please do not go to the bathroom in my office. <laughs> and I called my boss. I was like, you know what? I, it's my birthday. I just had someone try to pee in my office. I'm going home. So I went home, and a friend was like, "Hey, do you want to come over and hang out? We can watch a movie." I'm like, "Sure." Well, I'll go over and watch a movie, and then she put this movie on, and I was hanging out with uh, with them, with her, and uh, a few of her housemates, and we were just watching this ridiculous movie. At like two o'clock in the afternoon on my birthday. Sounds um, awesome. It was. I had never seen anything like this. It was incredibly surreal. Um, mine's kind of similar. Less office shenanigans and more community college shenanigans. Um, so back in the day on Apple desktops, they had like a an app, I guess, where it had just all new movie trailers, and I saw the poster for Rubber, and it was just a tire. 
I was like, what the hell is this? And I click it, and I get the first trailer for Rubber, which... Well, we'll get into that later. But I was immediately intrigued, and I, I texted my buddy Joe. He was into dumb, stupid movies like I am. And I was like, all right, we need to watch Rubber. He goes, oh, my dad just bootlegged it. Come over and watch it. I'm like, all right. So after school one day, we met up, we watched Rubber, and it was a hell of a time. Yeah. So we've kind of teased about this. The plot of Rubber, so much as there is a plot, is about a uh, a sentient tire named Robert that runs around and blows people's heads up. Mm -hmm. It's part Christine and part Scanners. Yeah, but the plot isn't really the important part because this movie doesn't really have a plot. It just it's a series of, of scenes. Yeah, and then you follow a group of people watching the tire from afar. So it's yeah. almost like a movie within a movie. It's very meta. It's very weird. Yes, and they get poisoned for some reason by the people who are making the movie. But one of them doesn't eat the poison, and someone else poisons him. It's weird. The movie's really, really weird. Yeah, it's like the tire idea is honestly enough for like a 20-minute short film. But it's, <laughs> they probably had funding to do an hour-and-a-half movie. and It's an hour and 22 minutes, so not even that long. And they, they just like strung together a plot. Yes. Uh don't go into this trying to follow it because it doesn't it just it's very very weird i like surreal stuff and i think that's why i enjoyed it more this time yeah i liked it more the second time knowing what to expect because the first time i just wanted more tire and less meta yeah this is at least the third time i've seen it for some reason i watched it again after like what the hell is this sort of thing sometimes you have to do that though if there's a movie that it's not what you want it to be. You just got to watch it again with a different lens, and it makes all the difference. There's some other subplots. There's this whole thing about this hotel manager who's mad at his son and makes his son go get pizza as punishment, and his son puts uh, roadkill on the pizza, You know which what? is weird. You know what I think they were trying to do? Because the tire attacks a small desert town, so I think it was trying to flesh out these characters and make you care about them. But none of them are worth caring about. No. Like, wh- what the hell was that about? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Quentin Depew just wanted to uh, kind of be shocking. Yes. Apparently the original concept was about cubes from outer space. But huh. the, the special effects tests weren't very good. So they just used this tire, which is, I think, largely just like pushed by someone off screen. Yeah, I prefer the tire to weird cubes. <laughs> But it's it's real strange. Yeah, I I could see either the tire being pushed before each shot or maybe a remote control car in it because it goes pretty smoothly for quite a while. Yeah, it very well could be some sort of remote device. It, that does work really well, too. Yeah, it's it's so goofy. There's yeah. not a whole lot to say about this, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very surface surface level, surface deep. Um I mean, if you want to watch a tire blow people's heads up, <laughs> this is the movie for you. But other than that, I don't find much joy in rewatching it over and over. Like, it's not bad, but it's not good. It there, it does have one of my favorite lines in all of uh, of cinema, though. Oh yeah. 
In the excellent Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper, why don't we ever see the characters go to the bathroom or wash their hands? He has a point, though. <laughs> that's that's something I think about a lot of times when I'm not just watching Toby Hooper's Chainsaw Massacre, but film in general. These char- I'm supposed to believe these characters are living their lives when they don't change clothes, they don't go to the bathroom, they barely sleep. Come on. It's called realism, folks. Yeah, that... I don't know. It's better than the girl in Scream who definitely goes to the bathroom and then uh, wipes her finger on her mouth without washing her hands. That's fucking yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this movie made a ton of money. Just kidding. It lost a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad with numbers. Oh, man. How, how, how bad was it? So the budget was 500000 500, Yeah, 500000 and it grossed one hundred thousand. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but yeah, I think I said my piece on this. There's not much to it. The charms, the tire, worth watching once or twice. The effects Absolutely. are cool. The effects are definitely interesting. Practical effects for the most part, and mm-hmm. you know, that's always a plus in my book. So I'm going to yes. say it's a solid recommend if you enjoy stupid B and C tier films. Because it's a high budget C film. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I've got nothing really else to say about it. It's definitely weird. I can't think of too much else like it. Yeah. And in a moment, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Titan. A uh, somewhat similar film that's definitely also French surreal, yes. horror-ish, horror-adjacent. Every French film I've seen is just very fucking weird. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing, because they're so different, but sometimes they're just extremely disgusting, like Martyrs, or they're just really weird, like Rubber and Titan. Uh, yeah, so give us a moment, and we will be back with Titan. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for our review of 2021's Titan, written and directed by Julia Cordanu, stars Vincent Langdon, Agathe Roselle, and I'm going to butcher this, Gar- Garance Miller. I would say uh, Garance Millier. Garance Millier. Yeah. I don't speak French. I don't take French lessons. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Ryan would do a much better job than me at that, but, you know, you got to yeah. try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Titan is a uh, body horror-ish? That's what they market it as. I wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah, there's there's elements of that, but it's more just like a surreal, horror-adjacent mm-hmm. film about identity, kind of. Yes. Like, finding your place in the world. Uh, yeah, there's this, this little girl named Alexia who gets into a car accident when her dad is distra- she's distracting her dad and her dad 
does I don't quite understand what happened, but she has to get a metal plate put in her head, yeah. and that never seems to heal. But it's also not really relevant to the plot. Yeah, they make a big deal out of it, and then it never comes back. Yes, but she is very into cars. Yes. <laughs> She's really into cars. And that's evident from the trailer and the first scene. Yes. Uh, she loves cars in a very... Uh, physical way in a very carnal way pardon the pun yeah she loves cars yeah uh somehow a car gets her pregnant and that never really go well it goes somewhere but her blood starts being replaced by motor oil but she's also trying to like she also murders people this movie has a lot going on for the first like 40 minutes there's multiple plot threads that i don't want to spoil because they are fun but in the grand scheme of things, they don't go anywhere. And that's very unfortunate because I liked the first act a ton. Yes. It's a, like a very dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Almost like a comedy of errors in a really surreal sort of way. Yeah. And after that, it doesn't... It turns it... into a drama. Like a father-son drama. Yes. She... Uh... In order to escape criminal charges, she pretends to be the son of a firefighter. firefighter yeah. And they kind of bond. And like that's fine, but that wasn't what I signed up for. That's not what I wanted. Like, yeah. trailers and reviews for this movie kept saying it's the most disturbing film you'll, you'll ever see. It's the most heartfelt film you'll ever see. So I was like intrigued for a disgusting body horror with like really good themes. And... It never gave me what I wanted. Like, I would have probably really enjoyed a movie that was about this woman trying to pretend to be this guy's son, because that's interesting. Yeah. But it's not what I was expecting going in from the first 25 minutes or so. Yeah. I I wanted this to be, like, to bring up Christine again. Like, Christine meets the fly. Like, yeah. call it the be, car. Like, that's that what I be, wanted. That would be a lot of fun. Like there's there's elements of that in the beginning and the very very end, but but that middle hour is it's a pure drama. It's it's yeah. about like finding yourself and accepting who you are while I don't know overcoming your bad traits. Yeah, and the uh, the lead. Uh... Agatha Roussel, I don't, I'm not familiar with uh, with her work at all. She doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, she's you know pretty solid. She yeah, she was really a, good. Yeah, she's she spends a significant amount of the film completely naked, which is weird. Uh, and I think also, she's like, a model in France. That would not yeah. This is her first uh, feature. Um, the only other thing she's been in was a short and literally just an audience member at the Cannes Film Festival. So uh, which is, she's pretty new. She doesn't have a ton of lines uh, because she's pretending to be a boy. Um, yeah, she's mostly silent for the film, but her facial expressions are awesome. Yeah. And she has to clearly make deal with this makeup thing on her face and the prosthetic belly and uh, spending a lot of her time binding her breasts to look like a boy, which can't be pleasant. Sometimes on screen doing that. So yeah. there's a lot of physical stuff going on in the role. It's it's an intense performance. 
It's just not the physical stuff I wanted from a movie where a woman gets pregnant by a car. <laughs> yes. That almost feels like an afterthought. Like it was a shocking thing to try to yeah. sell the film or well, something. Julia DeCoranu, her other film titled Raw came out in 2016. Yeah. Do you know about Raw? Yeah, Raw is messed up. Raw is awesome. For those who don't know, it's a coming-of-age story about a young woman and she just happens to be a cannibal. It's awesome. I, it I, runs in their family. Yeah. It's real messed up. It's, I, it's, I like it, but it's messed it's up. It's good. It's messed up. It's disgusting. And I was I wanted more of that like level of gore from Titan. And maybe she's trying to branch out and not just do gore, but based on the trailers and the reviews, it's that's what I was expecting from it. And it's just not that type of movie. And I know I keep saying it, but I Really can't stress enough how disappointed I was by not getting that film. Yeah. It's almost like after making this crazy, you know, cannibalistic thriller movie, she wanted to do something a bit more normal, but already had like 25 pages of a screenplay lying around. Yeah. Uh, just because the two parts, the, you can feel the movie like clonk over with an mm-hmm. audible thunk. Like, <laughs> yeah. Would... Like once she gets off the bus, it's a different film. Yeah. Which is fine. But it's not what I was expecting. And yeah. I, I liked that movie. I'm not complaining about it. Mm-hmm. But these two parts just do not gel. And it also makes like comes across that the father is an idiot because he doesn't figure out that this person is not his son. I think he knows. I just think he's so desperate to have that connection with his son who... Um, the son's been missing for 10 years. It's, it's assumed yeah. he was kidnapped. And... The father clearly wants that connection with somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. But, like, it's it's unfair for us to keep saying that it's not a good movie because it is a very good film. It's just the tone, the tonal shift is so distracting, I guess. That yes. I, I couldn't help but get invested in the drama aspect. I think upon a second watch through, I'll enjoy it a lot more. But unfortunately, we only saw it once. Yes. Ooh, Spike Lee presented uh, Julia Decarnu with the Palme d'Or for this film. Which yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. This won the Palme d'Or. Yeah. Like, I personally don't agree. But I don't know what else it's, played. It usually wins, like, really weird films tend to win that one. Yeah. But what's what's cool is the ridiculous suit that Spike Lee is wearing. It looks like a surrealist uh, sky, like a skyscape. It's mm. very cool. Like he, has, he has a conductor's hat on. Because awesome. Spike Lee just does what he wants, and that's awesome. Good for him. Um, absolutely. Uh, I have very little else to say about this that won't go into spoilers, unfortunately. Yeah, once it does, like... Do the scene? There's very small scenes throughout the film of body horror, and yeah, like they're kind of gross, but they're not as gross as I was led to believe, and from like trailers, and that's disappointing yeah. because I feel like most of the people going into this want a disgusting body horror. Yes, uh, the the um the elements of it that are interesting and weird are really tame for mm-hmm. a, a body horror film in fact there are like straight dramas that are more messed up than this yeah um not everyone likes body horror i get that but after raw you'd think that uh that she'd be a little bit want to push the envelope a little bit as opposed yeah. to like kind of tamer and raw wasn't like 
visceral or like disgusting. It was just like kind of gross because it yeah. the plot is gross and like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think but, she just wanted to tell a more mature story. Yes, although I think Raw honestly works as an allegory as well for some deep hidden family secret. Oh, for sure. Whereas this just doesn't really it didn't feel like it was making a metaphor for anything. The the metaphor is very obvious what it's yeah. about. Um, you know, just a child you don't want that you're forced to have. Yeah. I guess there could be like some family stuff, but I don't know. I just it didn't really do it for me. Yeah. Unfortunately. I think, I think there's a couple themes it's going for because um the LGBT community is loving this movie. And like I get that and um like you said, other themes with um family and taking care of kids. Like there there's a couple themes throughout that but it doesn't really stick with any one theme. And I think if it was a little more focused, it could have been better as well. Yes. Uh, it is also interesting to me that the lead is named Alexia, but it pretends to be Adrian, which are names of two characters from Raw as well. But hmm. like I that's I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, that's just a interesting little. Could just be a Julia De Coranu. Yeah, she just likes she just likes the names Alex and Adrian. I yeah. don't know. Um, but they're, like, they're fine names. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of reaching because <laughs> unfortunately there's not a yeah. ton to. Si- I wish yeah. it went back to that play in her head because in all yeah. the promotional stuff, even the poster, she's showing the scar. But yeah. it ultimately doesn't amount to anything more than a play in her head. Yeah, she has this scar. I think it's just so you can tell who it is because she does cut her hair several times mm. in the film. She does spend a lot of the time uh, dressing like a boy. So, maybe, maybe just but like viewers Even in the idiots. beginning, they say you can't remove the plate without a violent attack. So... Yeah. Like, she clearly has the serial killer instinct in her from the first scene, but the plates in her head, like, maybe do something with that and her violent tendencies. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, there's this whole subplot about her being a serial killer that never really goes anywhere, aside from having her disguise herself to fit in with the firefighter. Yeah, it's literally there to get her to the firefighter. Yeah, but my favorite scene in the movie is the one where she's, like, in that apartment it's so funny yeah like it, I, I wanted more of that yeah that would have been a that would have been a really fun, like a comedy of errors like this mm-hmm. inept killer that just like keeps you know running into other people yep. and it, yeah but that's yeah. probably the most like raw too like that yes. sequence is probably the most like raw and the camera is really a team player in that yep. sequence more than any other sequence in the film it's just um, like I was disappointed, but I didn't dislike the movie. I yeah. would recommend it for fans of indie films. It feels very indie. It does. It's it's not it's not any scarier than, for example, like we just covered uh, Midnight Mass. I would yeah. say this is this is not any bloodier than Midnight Mass, and that got aired on Netflix. So yeah, I personally don't think Titan is scary or gory at all. There's a little bit of blood here and there, but yeah, but not enough not, to make no. it like I don't know blood. Yeah, Gushing. it's it's not any bloodier than The Exorcist, which isn't oh, yeah. a movie known for its blood. Exactly. Um, the worst thing about it is the scene where she's getting the metal plate in her head, and that's you're, you're past it's that the, in the first five minutes. Yeah, it's the opening titles. Most of the the pregnancy blood is black because it's oil. That's a little weird, <laughs> but it's not. It's like, still so funny to me. Yeah. I so was maybe, laughing in the theater when that came on. Yeah, actually, this is, a, this is an interesting point. This is the first time we've ever watched a movie together for the podcast. Normally, yeah. we watch them separate. 
But we just um, happened to go to the same screening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we had a we had a good time. I enjoyed it. A yeah, couple it times fun. I had to look away from the screen because it's a little <laughs> intense, but... There was a couple of times where I was sitting there, you probably heard me. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I, I did that too. Like, what is this movie? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's good yet disappointing if you're looking for something that it's yeah. not. Yes, this one also is in French. There's not a ton of spoken dialogue, so it's not going to get in your way. And yeah. they speak very slowly compared to what most French films are like. So yeah, uh, I'd give it a recommend if you're really into weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you can handle, you know, the gore, which is actually kind of minimal. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it's baby's first weird film. <laughs> yeah, you can handle the French if you can handle the slight body horror elements i feel like this is something i would have loved in high school i can totally see that yeah uh, yeah it's but, probably like a regular r-rated movie mm-hmm. maybe pg-13 i'd say r yeah but yeah i don't want to keep beating the dead horse yep. but yeah uh yeah so next week we're going to take a look at a new netflix release there's someone inside your house and we're tentatively pairing that with the uh, 90s slasher classic i know what you did last summer but that may change by the time we get to it yes but thank you for joining us at the crossroads and we'll see you next week Crossroads Podcast is recorded and produced by Rob Kolb and Ryan Hall. The Crossroads theme was recorded and written by Caleb Dorr. Featured music this week is Mille Silence by Eloise featuring Julien Nus-Dres. <laughs>